On Sunday, we were looking at some passages in the book of Acts, and we were talking about the incredible privilege God has given us when he grants us visitations from the Lord, outpourings, fillings, revivings, stirrings, all from the Holy Spirit. And the church was born that way in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God came on those 120 people. And then we read that in chapter 4, after they faced their first persecution, they went back to where the church was gathered, and they lifted up their voices in prayer. And again, the place where they were got a visitation. The place was shaken, and they all spoke the word of God with boldness, which is the very thing they needed because they had been threatened no more talking in the name of Jesus. And God changed that around, didn't he? So he birthed the church through a visitation, and then he kept it going in hours of trial. And that's been the history of the Christian church, the the highlights of the Christian church. I have a whole bunch of whole collection of books on church history. I've been a reader of that, a student of that for decades. And uh, the high high moments uh, in the Christian church, whatever country you pick, have been times of revival, stirring, when the Holy Spirit comes. Money doesn't do it. Education doesn't do it. Lobbying the Congress or the politicians doesn't do it. That's a waste of time. But when God visits his church and the people are touched by the Holy Spirit, fire spreads. Fire does something that only fire can do. I want to continue on because right after the very kind of passage where I closed with on Sunday, I want to focus in on a man in the early church who is an illustration of what we need tonight, what I need. I came in here early today because I'm asking God. He knows what I'm asking him for. And I want you to be on the same page with me and with the word of God. Things that God wants to do in all of our lives Even though it might manifest itself differently, it all has the same origin. So let's pick up the story here. The church is new. They have no public buildings. They have no money. They have no political power. There's no prayer in schools. The Roman establishment is against them. And the Jewish religious establishment is against them. So, And they're in the very city where uh, Jesus was crucified. But they're building the church. Because they're not afraid, because God has visited them and is empowering them. So now we see one of the first organizational problems that they ran into. And we pick it up here. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, it was in the thousands by then, the Hellenistic Jews, those were Jews who had more of a Greek influence in their lives and probably spoke Greek, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews The Jews who were more homegrown spoke Hebrew or Aramaic because their widows, the widows who had that Greek influence, but all Jewish, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. You got widows, and really it stands for people in need. So the early church was collecting things from those who had a lot so that they could give to those who had nothing, especially widows. So they were handing out food, and now a a dispute broke out because some of the widows went to their family and said, because I speak Greek or I have an accent, I'm a Jew from another part maybe of the Roman Empire, I am being overlooked. They're favoring the, the more Jewish Jews, older women, the widows. 
and giving out more food. So here was a problem. So they brought it to the leadership. They brought it to the 12 apostles. And Peter and James and John especially were involved in all of that. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. It's not that they were too big for that. When you're a servant of God, no job is too small for you. In other words, nobody's so high and mighty they can't do something. That wasn't the point. But what they were saying was they were leading to this. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibly over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This is the first organizational problem and notice how it's solved. The leaders who have a call to preach the word, Peter, James, John, the the 12 of them, they go, wait a minute, this is not right. We have to delegate. It's not that we're too good to help the widows with the food and settle this controversy. But that would take time away from what God has called us to do. God's called us, this is for every pastor in America, any of you watching there. We're not CEOs. We're not CFOs. We're not sidetracked so much by business that we forget our first calling. He said, we got to give ourselves to the word and to prayer. Meditation on the word. Preaching on the, of the word. Prayer. Spending time with God. Otherwise, we won't fulfill what we're supposed to do. In other words, you have pastors running around doing a thousand different things. I remember early on in the ministry, I had no help, no anything. And I was getting flyers printed up. I was walking back and forth. It was a sad situation. And I remember going down Atlantic Avenue, crossing 3rd, heading down to a print shop that was down there. And boy, the Holy Spirit just stopped me kind of dead in my tracks and said, what are you doing? What am I doing? I'm going to get these flyers done. Is this what I called you to do? Did I call you to get flyers printed up? Get someone else to do that by the grace of God. I called you to be with me and to be in the word and to pray. So when you get up and speak, you won't be just empty. You'll have something to say that will hold the people's attention and bless them. You get the principle. You got to keep first things first. The main thing, the main thing. Now we read that this proposal pleased the whole group and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So this idea pleased the whole group of the church. The church said, this is good. And now they chose seven. So some commentators believe this is the birth of the deacon and deaconess. These were the first people who were deacons. Seven was a sacred number, important number to the Jewish mentality, seven days and all of that. Seven was a number of uh, completeness or wholeness. They chose seven of them to do the job of waiting on the tables. So some people say these were the first deacons. The word deacon is not used for them, but it's general agreement that they were the first deacons. Why? Because the word deacon means to serve. To be a helper. This is important. The apostles chose these seven to be helpers, to serve, to divide the food, stop the fighting, keep unity, keep peace, treat all the women equally and with fairness. And they chose these seven people to do it. And then later on, Paul writes to Timothy and you hear the word used deacon, deaconess, which means just servant. They're the helper. That's all. 
Not, they're not supposed to do anything except if leadership feels they should do more and have a gifting. They can do more, but they're going to just help as leadership directs them. So notice this proposal pleased the whole group. And they chose, and now they have seven names. What's interesting about this is all the names are Greek names. There's no Jewish names there. So these are all Greek names. And the last one, notice Nicolas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So he was a Gentile and who converted to Judaism and then became a Christian. Stephen, and I gave you the rest of the names. We're going to focus on just one. Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Now go back. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you. This is to separate the food who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Not to preach, not to evangelize, not to go on a missionary trip. Notice how the church depended on the Holy Spirit for everything. The deacons, those who serve, we got to know that they have a reputation. They're known to be full of the Spirit. They're controlled by the Holy Spirit. They're not carnal. They're not nasty. They're not angry. And that they're full of wisdom because when you deal with people, you need wisdom. Am I right? So imagine how the church has changed over the years. I spoke at a very famous church in the southwest one time, and they were between pastors. And then a new pastor came. He invited me back. Very well-known church. A lot of money in that church. And he told me, he said, you know, Pastor Jim, I've taken over here. I've been here six months. I don't know who organized this thing because I haven't seen the deacons in like four or five months. They don't even come to church. I said, well, how come they became deacons? He said, no, because they have a lot of money. They're doctors. They're lawyers. They go to the best country club. And the church wanted a good image. How many get what I'm talking about? And they wanted, So they said, no, you're a deacon. Why? Because you got a lot of money. That makes you a deacon. But not the early church. The early church was, you got to know that these people are full of the Holy Spirit. How they know that doesn't tell us. But there must have been some way that they judge, discern. Who's full of the Holy Spirit? Who's controlled by the Holy Spirit? And has wisdom to know how to answer things. Because you never know what might come up. I was coming to the church today, and a couple of people greeted me in the street. I didn't know them. They seemed to know me. Hi, Pastor Zimbala. Fine. One was a Trini uh, who stopped and talked to me, and I, I chatted with her, and it was fine. I'm just getting to the door right outside here, and, and an older woman, she might be here today, very sweet, and she's bent over kind of and has a mask on, and she says, Pastor Zimbala, hi. And I went, hi, how are you? I could hardly hear her because she was muffled because of the mask. So I go to the door to get the fob out to get in, and I hear my name called again by her. And she goes, may I, may I speak to you for a second? I said, certainly. She said, you know, I want you to help me because I've had deep bitterness and resentment for about seven years about with somebody. And I went, oh, no, I'm going to help you. She's older, she's, you know, and she looked kind of frail. Who hurt you and all of that? Who have you had bitterness and resentment? She said, you. <laughs> Don't you need wisdom all the time? And she was a sweetheart. And I said, what did I do? And I'm sorry, I'm shocked that you had this. Imagine to carry that around for seven years or whatever it was. She said, well, in a prayer meeting, you ask people to pray for someone. 
they stood up. Something happened, and I said, people nearby this person, lay hands on them and pray for them. Right, that has happened here. And she said, I believe that person had an evil spirit, had a bunch of them in them, and one of them jumped on me and came in me. (laughs) Do we not need wisdom all the time? No, I was asking God, now how do I handle this? You know? And I said, are you a Christian? She said, "Mm, yeah. I said, are you a Christian? She said, yes. I said, that means Jesus Christ lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. She said, yeah. I said, no demon can jump on you. What kind of salvation would that be if demons can be jumping on us anytime they want? How many thank God for Jesus and the salvation we have? But I didn't want to hurt her, and I needed wisdom, and we all need wisdom. Because lack of wisdom can hurt people. And I've had lack of wisdom. And I've done things that were not so wise. So we need wisdom. But now go ahead now. Because now we pick up Stephen being described. Now this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen. A man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Now wait a minute. The qualification to be a deacon. Was to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. To be known. You had to have a reputation. You had to be known. Leadership had to know. The church had to know. That's a good man. That's a good woman. So now Stephen, they're focusing in on, he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Now, he couldn't have been a Christian for more than two years because the church had just started. There were no Christians. Nobody was in the Lord 20 years. The church had just been birthed. So here's a man who's been asked to divide food among widows at a table, right? A kind of simple thing but important, obviously, to the church. And they didn't want anyone representing them doing anything unless they were spiritually minded. You can't build a spiritual church with carnal people. Spiritual ministry comes from spiritual people who build a spiritual church, in the best sense of the word. Now, this deacon is full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Where did he get this faith? Well, don't you get it? The wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit. The deacons had to be known to be full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. Wisdom and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now Stephen is is isolated here and he was a man of faith and full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So where did he get that faith? The same place he got the wisdom. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you yield to him and he floods you and fills you, you not only get wisdom from God, you get faith. You don't have to struggle to believe, I believe, I believe, and you hope you believe, and you're struggling with belief. When God comes with with the Spirit, he, He produces faith. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. How many want more faith in your life to help other people? They have no faith. But if you and I have very little faith, who are we going to help? So the Spirit is the answer to everything here in the early church. He gets deacons readied by being filled with wisdom and the Spirit, and now Stephen is isolated, And he's full of faith now. Well, wait a minute. Who ordained him? Nobody. Where did he go to school? Nowhere. He's just a deacon. He hadn't been saved two years. Think of what God can do. Do you hear me tonight? Think of what God can do. The man is not a Christian for two years. He's supposed to be handing out food and keeping peace among the widows. But now it says he's full of faith. Why does it say that? Because he must have been stepping out and doing things that God was prompting him to do by faith. God must have prompted him, pray for that person. And he had the faith to pray. I know, but you're not one of the apostles. I know, but God is prompting me to pray. 
God is prompting me to talk. God is prompting me to witness. God, the Holy Spirit, is leading me, and I'm going to obey him. I'm going to trust him now. I know, but you were assigned to the table. I know, but I'll work the table, but I'm going to do what God wants me to do. The Bible says they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests. Wow! Priests, probably Pharisees, Pharisaical priests. They got converted. So imagine, the church is growing. The apostles are isolating themselves to do what they're called to do. The deacons are doing what they're supposed to do. The members are all, more and more of them are just filled with God and trying to find out what God wants them to do. And now they zero in on our man, Stephen. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. Wait a minute. He performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called. Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, that's in Africa, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Why couldn't they stand up? Because he had studied, had read 25 books apologetics? No. He got wisdom from the Holy Spirit. So when they spoke to him, no matter how they attacked, he had an answer from God. So let's get this straight. To be a deacon, you had to be known. We know Stephen was a deacon. So he had to be known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Then the Bible says he was unusual because he was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit working him as he yielded. Remember, he's a Christian for what? A couple years. He was just given an assignment to distribute food. But, I mean, you can't put God in a box. Look at me, some of you, who say, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not educated enough. Shame on you. Shame on me. With God, nothing is impossible. Come on, you can't put God in a box. But we've taken in with our mother's milk the whole American church system, and it's propagated most, mostly through the whole world, which is the ministers up there do everything, and you and all sit and come to church. And in most places, like Texas or Virginia or New York, you ask people, how are you doing with the Lord? Oh, I go to church every Sunday. What would that have to do to the life of Stephen? What if you would have said to Stephen, what is God doing in your life? And he would have said, oh, I go to church on Sunday. No. God has filled me, not just with wisdom. Now I have faith. But now it says he's full of grace. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. What's that mean? God's grace is his love in action. So God is working in this deacon. Oh, Lord, give us eyes to see. He that has an ear, let him hear. This man now is so open to God, and God is doing so much. He's not filled with just wisdom and faith. He has power from Almighty God. And he's doing signs and wonders as he prays for people. And the next, that chapter and the next chapter, they're so mad at him and he's doing so much damage to the kingdom of Satan that they gang up on him and they accuse him. And then he stands up and his face was at the end of the whole thing like shining, but he had authority from God. And he made this long sermon where he reviews the history of the Jewish people And he comes through and he presents Jesus and he preaches resurrection from the dead. And they got so angry, they wanted to stone him. So they took off their garments, these religious leaders. 
And they took their garments and they laid them at the feet of a young guy who was there. Anybody know the name of that guy? Saul. Who became Paul. And Saul's watching this. And they stone him. They're throwing stones at him. And the last thing he says, just like his master, is, Lord, don't lay this to their charge. Forgive them for what they're doing. How are you a Christian for less than two years and you're supposed to be working on a table? His only position was he was a deacon. But you can't stop God. Position means nothing when the Holy Spirit comes. Oh, I'm a senior citizen. No, you're not. You're someone God can use. I'm too young. I'm too new in the Lord. See, all the stuff the devil puts in our minds. I can't. I can't. I won't. Maybe Monday, one day, I'll do a missions trip. And the early church did not operate that way. It was wide open to the Holy Spirit. I want to be wide open to the Holy Spirit. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want this church more and more to be known where people come in, as I said Sunday, and they leave. Let them forget my name. I don't care if no one ever remembers my name. And I don't care if the Brooklyn Tabernacle name. I, who cares about that? I want Jesus to be glorified. Can we say amen to that? And I want people to leave. Like these guys, uh, people from Virginia. I don't know them. Haven't met them. Uh, but I want them to leave tonight and say, I don't know his name. and what. But you know what? God is in that place. God is on those people. God is on those people. Don't we want that, brothers and sisters? So no mas with the excuses. No more. You can't. God put, why did God put this in the Bible? Because he's saying, if you'll be open and trust me, I'll fill you with my spirit and I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you faith. I'll give you power. And, and I'm going to use you. Nobody has to appoint you. You don't need a license. Let me just use you. I'd rather live like one more year of my life and have God give me a fullness of faith and power and all of that, then live another 10 years and just be mediocre and all of that. Hey, listen, when we go to heaven, we're going to live forever. So life isn't, what, life down here, a long life, what does it matter? You live 40 years, 60 years, 80 years, 100 years, what does it matter? We're going to live forever. But don't you want to live quality down here? Don't you want to be full of the Holy Spirit? He wants that for us. He wants that for us. What do you need? You have to be a Christian and say, come, Lord. That's all you have to say. Say, I surrender, Lord. I give my life to you, Lord. God will take it from there. Don't look at why you can't, why I can't, why we can't. All the can'ts like that, that just cancels what God wants to do in our life. We got to have faith that God's going to do something greater than ever before in our church and in our lives. How many want something greater in your life, your life, than ever before? Wave your hand at me. Come on. In our lives. Why not? Why not? What do you think? God is against that? Of course not. He sent his son to die for us when we didn't know him. How much more will he give us everything we need? This fire that we need. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's the beautiful thing about that image as I close. Jesus was prophesied by John the Baptist. When he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire has a number of qualities that are interesting metaphor for the Holy Spirit. But one of them is this, fire catches. If I pour water on this, 
It won't spread to something else over there, won't turn it as watery as it is. But you put this thing on fire, just put this on fire and touch it to this thing, and that thing will be on fire. Oh, I want the fire of the Holy Spirit so bad in my heart tonight. I don't want to struggle for wisdom. I want God to give me his wisdom. Some of you, we're, we're lacking wisdom. We make crazy decisions, do crazy things that just waste our lives. Some of us don't have the faith to heartily live our own life. How are we going to have faith for someone else? We're struggling with faith just to get through life. God has something better for us than that. And lastly, just power, power, just that I could bless someone with God's power. Are you hungry for this? How many are hungry? Say amen. Let's lift our hands. Praise them out loud just with me. Come on, praise them out loud. Don't be shy. Come on, praise them out loud. Is he not worthy of our lips? Gracias, Señor. We praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the people say hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. God is my strength. God is my strength. God is our strength. It's not by might nor by power. It's not by our puny efforts. God says, I will build my church. And I'm going to use anyone who's available. Deacon, no deacon. Pastor, no pastor. Present yourself. Worship the Lord. Worship him. Praise him. Surrender to him. Consecrate to him. Oh, God, come and do a new work in my life, Lord. Do a new work in our church, Lord. Fill us with the spirit of wisdom, of faith and power, Lord. Sweep over this place, Lord. Come upon your people. Come upon your people, Lord. You have not changed. Come upon your people, Lord. Do extraordinary things through ordinary people, Lord. That way you'll get all the glory, Lord. No more excuses, Lord. We present ourselves to you. Living sacrifices. Oh, God, have mercy and come and help us, Lord. It's so dark outside. God, get our light shining bright, Lord. Let your light shine bright through us, Lord. We praise you. We honor you, Lord. Let's praise him for a little while. We've asked. He heard us. Now we're just going to praise him. We're just going to praise him. Oh, I love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Everyone, just tell them you love them out loud. Just tell them. Te amo, Señor. Oh, God, how we love you. We were not a people, and now we're a people. We didn't know each other, but now we're one in you, Lord. We praise you tonight. As we praise you, Lord, come and visit us in an even deeper way, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here with us tonight. 
from when we began till right now, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Thank you for your word. With you, nothing is impossible. But you said in your word that you can do beyond what we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Not just miracles outside of us. The biggest one is inside of us. Take away all our excuses and make us available to the Holy Spirit. 24-7-365. Start with me. Help us to do things, say things, pray things. Have power we've never had. Faith we've never had. Wisdom we've never had. And it all comes from you. And we will give you all the praise and honor and glory. God, I pledge in front of all these people, we will give you all the praise. All the praise. We don't want any of us to be in the limelight. We only want Jesus to be in the limelight. Bless the offering as the people leave. Get us home safely. No accidents. No trouble. Give us traveling mercies. Bless our friends from Virginia that are here. Thank you for the work they're doing in the streets, prayer tables, prayer centers. Let them go back with the full blessing of God on their lives. Help us to love each other more because in the end, this is how people will know we're your disciples because we love one another. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's give God one last... You hug each other. Come on. Hug each other. Greet each other.